Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in today to Free Thinking with Montel. And I want you to imagine for just a moment being a parent of an adult child whose American dream was realistically within reach. And imagine that adult child having already achieved decorated service record in the United States Marine Corps, a college degree was within reach, and about to become a homeowner with a promising new career ahead of him. That was the reality for Marine Corps veteran Trevor Reed. At 28, he had accomplished a lot and was on his way to a bright future. Then one night, he got you receive a panic call from your son's girlfriend that says that he's been arrested and is sitting in a Russian jail. That's been Paula Reed's reality now for almost 479 days that her son has been wrongfully detained and quite frankly, mistreated by the Russian government and the US government. Joining me today from Texas is Paula Reed and Trevor's mom and Taylor Reed, Trevor's sister. Thank you so much folks for being with us today. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Before I get started, I want to make clear to everybody that Trevor Reed is innocent. And that's why I got involved in this case last summer. Trevor is in a Russian, was in Russia as a tourist, visiting his girlfriend for the summer, hoping to immerse himself in the Russian language to help with his college degree. Trevor Reed has played by the rules his entire life. And I'm surprised that he's ever, I'm surprised if he's ever even had a speeding ticket. Then one night in Moscow, Trevor was with some friends out. And, you know, he was out partying. And, you know, when he left the party, he needed a little help after drinking just a little too much. And he got sick in a car that he was riding in. Now, the people in the car called for emergency services thinking that they would help Trevor. And instead, once they found out that he was a Marine, and after asking his girlfriend for a cash bribe, the Moscow police, the FSB, and suddenly found out, found him and found Trevor, arrested him and framed him for a crime he obviously didn't commit. And after a sham trial that took almost a year, Trevor was convicted in spite of clear video evidence, tape evidence, showing that he was not guilty. He was sentenced to nine years in prison in what Russia is calling a prison camp. Now, like everyone out there, if you can, to go on Trevor's GoFundMe page and chip in, even if it's just $5, the address is www.gofundme.com com forward slash free dash Trevor dash read. That's www.gofundme.com forward slash free Trevor dash read. And as you're going to hear from the story, you know, the family's bills have been piling up and they need our help. They need our help today. And, you know, the reason why I definitely got involved was not just because of Trevor's innocence, but I got to tell you, because I get involved when we leave a soldier behind. Trevor served for this country. He served and honorably was discharged from the United States Marine Corps. He put his life on the line protecting our freedom and our democracy. And this country should stand behind him right now when his freedom has been taken away and been taken away for trumped up charges and a lie. And it's time for us to step up to the plate and do all we can to get him home. So, Paula, you know, maybe a lot of people who are tuned in today didn't get a chance to hear my interview with Trevor's dad, Joey, when we had him on. Why don't you explain to people just why Trevor was in Russia in the first place and, and what he was doing? Okay. Um, so Trevor was going to college at University of North Texas, where he was pursuing an inter international studies degree. 
Um, he decided to pursue that um, after he was in the Marine Corps. Um, someone approached him and said, you know, hey, you could work for the State Department. And it was a path he wanted to take. So he had to have a foreign language for that. And since he had a Russian girlfriend that he'd been dating for years, plus he's kind of always been fascinated with Russia anyway, and studying Russian in the eighth grade on his own. Um, he decided to go spend the summer with Lena, his girlfriend, and get immersed in the language and hope that he, when he came back, he could test out of some of the language requirements for his degree and skip up to like the third and fourth year for that Russian requirement. So that's I should, what he was doing. Full disclosure, I studied Russian at the Defense Language Institute while I was on active duty in the military myself. You know, um, Taylor, why don't you tell us a little bit about your brother? Who was your brother? Who is your brother? He's just a really fun, happy-go-lucky guy. Um, always has a joke, always has a story. He's a really, really great storyteller. Um, he's an awesome guy. We miss him a lot. And you guys, are clearly, he, like you said, Paula, he had been dating his girlfriend, who was Russian, for two years? You guys uh, Two years at that time, yes. At two years at the time, you met her, you spent time with her, nice girl. We love her. She uh, she came to our home a couple of times during Christmas and spent um, a month and a half, like a month and a half. And then she came in the summer a couple of times. So she had been in our home maybe four times for extended amounts of time. We came to love her and know her. She's quite intelligent. She's funny. Uh, she's a good personality. She's really outgoing. And we thought she was great for Trevor. And you're looking forward to them. I guess they were making plans about spending their life together, right? Yes, they were. And so you were looking forward to, you know, having a daughter-in-law and um, you having a sister-in-law, Taylor. And when Trevor decided, I'm going to go to Moscow, to Russia, to study for, you know, a period of time, were there any trepidatious feelings? Were you afraid? Were, were you fearful? Or do you think this is just going to be okay? Just a foreign student? Um, there's always a little bit of intrepidation. My biggest concern, of course, was that I didn't want him to be gone for the whole summer because I was going to miss him. Um, but I kind of looked at it as an opportunity for him and Lena to spend that time alone together in living like a day-to-day -day life because they hadn't gotten to do that, just little spurts here and there. So I thought this was going to be uh, the longest time they got to spend together and they could see how the relationship was going to work and how it would be being married or whatever. So I was kind of excited for that. Same thing with you, Taylor? Yeah, I mean, I've traveled a fair amount internationally and like my parents always worry about us when we go somewhere, but they've like, we grew up taking trips most places and they gave us the urge to travel, so they should expect it at some point. Yeah, and this is 2019, so this was pre-COVID, so there was no fears about, you know, travel or anything like that going on, right? No. Yeah, so, not at all. And all of a sudden, Paula, take me back to that night in August 2019 when you got the call from Lena, your son's girlfriend. Okay. Um, actually, Montel, I was at work because of the time difference, but my husband called me at work in a panic and said, Lena just called. Trevor's been arrested. And he said, we need to um, immediately call the embassy. So he said, I'm going to do that. And I immediately left from work and came home. And by the time I got home, he said that Lena had called him back and told him that the police said that it was okay. They were going to let Trevor 
kind of sleep it off, basically, and that she should come back and pick him up in the morning. But also during that phone call, Joyce said she told him that they had seen that Trevor had a lot of money in his wallet. He had $1,300, $1,200. I don't not 100% sure about the amount. They asked if they could have it. They said, you know, let us have it. Lita said, no, I can't give that to you because he's using that to pay his uh, language teacher tomorrow. He was going to pay his language studies teacher the next day. And that's why he had that much cash. So um, she said, no, I'm not going to give it to you. So she asked Joey at that time, do you think I should give it to them or what? And Joey said, no, they said you can pick him up in a few hours. Let's just, you know, go with that. So she went home. I guess she slept for a couple of hours. Uh, she called her mother and her mother and her went back up there to get Trevor. And um, then she called us and told us that uh, when she got there, Trevor was sitting there, but told her that I can't leave yet. I need to be interrogated. I'll be back. So they took him to go question him. And when he, when he, he never came out, he just, she saw him being handcuffed and taken away. And he told her, I'll, call my mom and dad because now they're arresting me for attempted murder. Crazy. So now let's back up and why don't you explain what transpired that led to the arrest to begin with? I mean, I know he was out with some friends having a little party overindulged a little bit. Is that right? Right. So it was actually a birthday party for Lena and um, another coworker in her building. And they were at a public park out in, Public and um, Lena had told Trevor early on that it's not nice to decline when someone offers to give you shots of vodka or whatever, that you're supposed to um, take it because it's like an insult if you don't. Trevor's not a heavy drinker. I mean, he drinks beer and he's a Marine. Of course, he's drank before and of course, he's gotten drunk before. But um, Lena said she could see that uh, Trevor was having too much to drink and she said, We need to leave in 10 minutes. So Trevor says that in that's the last thing he remembers. And they, they got a ride with the fellow person from the, the party, a worker there. And it was when they were going home that he said, Hey, I'm starting to get sick. I need to pull over. So they pulled over to let him be, be sick. And then whenever they were trying to get him back in the car, he, they couldn't wrangle him to get him back in the car. And that's when they called the police because they were on a busy street and they were concerned that he might hurt himself, run out in the traffic or something like that. So do you think that when they arrested him, was their original, even, even when the police showed up and it got a little bit more serious, did they know that they were going to hold him because he was a Marine or they were going to hold him because he was drunk? I, I, can't, I can't figure this part out. Okay, I think that because he was an American, they were going to hold him because he was drunk. When he got to the jail, I believe he has an ID in his wallet that they saw he was a, a former military person from America. I think that that made their uh, attention become peaked. And then I don't really know that they planned to hold him at that time even until, um, but clearly they must have called the FSB. So when the FSB came, I believe that after the FSB interrogated him, that is when they decided they were going to hold him. And so now you, I guess you and your husband decided to jump on a plane and get over there as quickly as you could, correct? So you went and you went to Russia for the opening of Trevor's trial before the coronavirus ended your trip abruptly. What was that trip like? Um, Joey actually went in September. Trevor got arrested in August. Joey went in September. 
trying to see what we could do, get him out. When we realized that it wasn't going to happen, he ended up getting an apartment just to rent there and stay. I stayed here so that I could, um, you know, get documents like powers of attorney and, and financial assistance and stuff like that to do. And then in March, Taylor and I flew over there. We were anxious for the trial to start. We knew that we had good video evidence of him not doing anything wrong. So we kind of, in my mind, I thought we we're going to go for this trial. It may last a week and they're going to say he's innocent. He can go home. And my dream was to come home with him after the trial. But that didn't happen. I mean, I guess they accused him of trying to grab the wheel of the police car and, you know, the police car supposedly swerved. And that's why they, they called it attempted murder because they, they said that they, he put the lives of the policemen in jeopardy. But you had video from highway recordings that show that the car never swerved. Is that correct? That, that's correct. Yes, that is correct. And, you know, Taylor, when you when you first got there and, and you got a chance to talk to your brother, I mean, what did he say to you? Um, his first thing is always just for us not to worry about him and that he's fine and that he can do he that he can do anything and that he'll be OK. He doesn't want us to worry about him. Um, he didn't remember anything that happened that night. And so initially um, they let him enter his plea later after he had heard all the evidence. And after hearing all the evidence, he was like, no, I know I'm I know I'm innocent. Like this is not this is clearly politically motivated. Like he's just. He's got good days and bad days, but he's trying to hang on to the fact that he's innocent and he knows that. And so the, for you and Paula, the two of you just stayed till after the trial was over. So you're sitting in the courtroom and they're, they're speaking Russian. Neither of you speak Russian, I assume. Right. Correct. That must uh, have been just absolutely crazy, right? It was weird. Um, there were times where we were close enough because Trevor has a translator there at the jail with him and in court with him. And there are times where we were sitting close enough where we could hear her translating, but also like there were a lot of context clues and a lot of reporters that were in the room that spoke English would tell us a little bit what was going on. Um, but also like a lot of the reporters in the room and even sometimes the judge was laughing at the policeman's testimony about what happened. So like it was, we could understand a little bit of what was going on. And I guess the, the, the policemen who were doing the testimony changed their story multiple times. Is that correct? Yeah. At least four times. And uh, so you must've been shocked when the judge, uh, well, how long did it take for them to, to the trial to conclude? Um, well, you know, when it first started, it was right at the beginning of COVID. So when Heather and I went, I think it was March 10th was the first day of his uh, trial. And so we got to sit through the whole one day. And then they closed down the jail and the court the next day. So well, actually, Heather and I got to see Trevor in jail on um, March 11th for a couple of hours. And then after that, they closed it. We needed to do anything else. I don't think they came back until September, whenever they, uh, after they came out of COVID and September was when they sentenced him, and that was when they ended the trial. So there was really just a few days of trial, but there was a big lag because everything was closed. So during that that COVID shutdown period, uh, Trevor was just in limbo? Yes, he was. And were you getting into, into I guess, did, did they assign him his own attorney or he was attorneyless? Uh, no, we 
uh, got an attorney through Lena, his girlfriend. She uh, is an attorney herself, but she had just graduated from uh, law school in February. And uh, she had worked with some attorneys during her interim uh, segment. And so she got us some attorneys and we um, used them. So he had his own attorneys, private attorneys. They're not government and what was what were the attorney saying to you during this this period uh, where you're being held or just being kind of held in limbo? What were they saying that they think this is going to, you know, end smoothly and end, you know, uh, favorably for Trevor? Or were they were they concerned? Well, I think originally they were they were very uh, optimistic. Originally, go ahead, Taylor. I just with COVID shutting everything down, it was just a really terrible time of like, this has been postponed, this has been postponed, this has been postponed. They kept moving the court date back. And so the attorneys were, were concerned that we were going to lose what momentum we had because of all of the time in between and that we would lose media as well from the time in between because everyone's only talking about COVID for the last eight months. So then you go back in court that September. Were you shocked when the judge came out and said guilty? Yes, uh, very much. Um, and probably because it sounded like it was going our way. And even the judge made um, comments and things that seemed like he was uh, being neutral. And sometimes like on our side, because he was telling the policeman, like, get your story straight. What one is it? Is it this one or this one or this one, you know? So we thought we had a good chance. I know that um, we all felt like we had a good chance. We, I guess we were naive because we thought that it would be um, a fair system. So then when the judge finally, I don't know if they slap a gavel down, but when he finally said guilty, Nine years. I, I I can't imagine what went through your mind. It was very devastating. It was it was horrible, and and because it probably more so because I wasn't there. Um, Joey was there, so I had to hear it from Joey secondhand, and it was horrible. Now there's an appeal process, correct? Yes, we are appealing, and. Obviously, we don't think that the appeal is going to change anything. He's probably still going to remain convicted and still have the nine-year sentence. Uh, part of the appeal, the reason for the appeal is because it leaves him at the CISO jail where he's at in Moscow. It doesn't send him to the prison camp yet. Okay, so he'll be there for a period of time now. I heard something about... He could probably, if he ends up having to serve this, serve seven and a half of the nine years? Yes, because they give him credit for the time that he's been in pre-detention, what they call pre-detention before his trial. And again, this is all because of a, a drunken driving, I mean, a, a drunk violation, a drinking which would, Actually, which would have been like a public intoxication situation where maybe you pay a fine and you go home. You know. Something like that. Is Joey, still, is Joey still over there now, or is he is he is he planning on staying there until Trevor's released? Yes, sir. He is. He plans on staying. Um, he's planning to stay. He's planning to stay through till the appeal starts. Um, maybe you know, they they have three phases of appeal. 
So he's planning to stay at least through the first phase because I think after that they will be moving Trevor and he'll be far away from uh, Moscow and it'll be difficult to go see him. And what do the lawyers think about the opportunity to appeal? I mean, well, first off, what do the lawyers think that you know, if the U.S. government were to release a couple of high-profile Russian that they're holding in the United States, they could probably do a swap for him. Is that right? Well, actually, our attorneys don't even discuss that. They haven't talked to, I don't know that they've talked to Joey about that. They just, um, they are looking at it like legally based on the case in front of them about Trevor only and about Trevor, they would have a, a good case to get an appeal accomplished. But because he's an American and because he got sentenced nine years, they're not so sure that that's going to matter. And, you know, Taylor, how's Trevor doing? I mean, do you, do you speak? I, I saw a video of you reading a letter from him, but uh, do you get a chance to talk to him? Have you spoken to him by phone or anything? I have not. Um, he's been promised phone calls. He just recently started getting those phone calls. It's been over a year. And my mom's finally received two phone calls. I haven't gotten a phone call, but I would, I would rather him be able to talk to her. Um, I'm fine corresponding with him by letter. Um, like I said, he has. Good days and bad days. Um, we just try to keep telling him that there are a lot of people that love him and miss him and are rooting for him and trying to keep him as positive as possible. Well, Paul, you just recently, you speaking of those phone calls, you had a phone call with him that um, was quite emotional. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? He's probably going to hate me if I do this, but um, he... Like I like Taylor said earlier, he always wants to be sure that we're okay. He's always saying, "Mom, I'm fine. Don't worry about me." And he said, "You take care of yourself, and uh, don't ever worry about me." He's, he's that's he says that in almost every letter. That's how he ends it and begins almost every letter. So um, I got a phone call, and he said, "Mom, I only have like 15 minutes." So um, he said. I, I might hang up on you or whatever, but you know, and then he, and then he said, uh, and then start as usual. I'm okay. Don't worry about me. How are you doing? Tell me what happened. You know, what are you going for Thanksgiving? I, you know, I thought about you at Halloween and all this and everything. And and then all of a sudden he just said, you know, I said, what, how are you doing? Are you keeping yourself busy? I asked him about shower situation, how you get to work out, stuff like that. And then he just very, uh, just quietly just kind of said, mom, he said, I'm, I'm doing okay. He said, I'm just so ready to go home. And, you know, being the mom in me, I think I heard his voice crack, which of course upset me. And he said, you know, he's he has a lot of people that write him and a lot of people that love him and he knows that. But he said, you know, it's just hard because um, he feels like he's wasting his life there. And that when he gets to write anyone back a letter, he has to write it by hand in Russian. And that it takes him all day to do that. And, you know, he shouldn't have to do that because he's innocent. Shouldn't be there in the first place. And he just is ready to come home. If he wants and to you a letter, wait, I'm sorry, excuse me, to say that again, if he wants to write you a letter, he has to write it in Russian? Yes. Okay. So here is the way that we get to communicate with him. And I don't know that a lot of people know this. So you have to set up an a email account with the jail. You have to be in Russia and you have to have a Russian bank account number and all that, which Joey is there. Joey has that. So if any family member writes Trevor a letter, obviously it's in English. 
Then Joey uses something to translate it to Russian, as close as can be. And then he emails it to Trevor. And then he has to also email a couple of blank pages with it. And it costs like, you know, 50 cents a page or something. And then Trevor gets the letter and he has to read it. It's in Russian. And then when Trevor gets through reading his letter and he wants to respond back to us, he has to write his letter, handwritten letter in Russian. And then they take a picture of it and attach it to an email and email it back to us. And since we can't read Russian or Trevor's penmanship, um, we have to get Lena to read. Well, we don't have to get Lena reads it to us. She'll read it and she'll put it on a little audio clip for us. And then she sends it to us via message or email. That's how we communicate. So it's a long, drawn out process. And he said that uh, even though he understands the language and uh, Lena said he's probably like a junior high level of proficiency. It just takes him a long time to write a letter. And so, you know, we have all these family members and friends who write him and he can't write everyone back. He feels bad about that. But it's just so it's such a process to for him to write us back. And this is so we're just asking that they go ahead. No, I was just gonna, what were you just saying? I was just gonna say we were just, you know, recently really pushing to have the embassy ask that Trevor be able to write letters back in English to his family. And what are the embassy? Has the embassy taken that up for you? They they said they're working on it. Okay, well, look, I'm, I'm just, I have to pay a couple bills, so I'm gonna take a little break for a second, and then I'm gonna come back, and I've got a couple more questions for you because I know about a week ago uh, you went to D.C. with the person out of my office, John Franks, who uh, is working for us, and he went there because the House of Representatives has uh, put in a resolution, which is 1115, which calls for Trevor's immediate release. I want to know what you think about that. And I also want to know what Trevor thinks right now. He's been there for what, a year and a half? Yeah, well, 400 and something days. So um, is it is it tough for him to stay on, you know, at least stable ground? So let's talk a little bit about that when we come back. We'll take a little break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks so much for being a part of Free Thinking with Montella Day. And we're talking today to Paula and Taylor Reed, who are Trevor Reed's mother and sister. And I know you know and remember that I spoke to uh, Trevor's dad, Joey, a couple of weeks ago. And we talked to him about the fact that Trevor has been sitting in a Russian prison now for 479 days, arrested for what would be considered a minor civil violation here in the United States, probably, you know, intoxicated in public. But because he has prior military service, we think, and I think most think, that he's being held as a pawn in this game between Russia and the United States to see if he could be used as leverage to free a couple of Russians that are being held by our government here and allowed to go back to Russia before they allow Trevor out. And this young man has been sentenced to nine years in prison for basically what is no more serious than a intoxication in public violation. And okay, he admits that he was intoxicated. He admits that he may have violated, you know, some social norms and being a little disorderly, but did not do any of the things that he was charged with to be able to be convicted for nine years. 
And while he's there, we've got a family here in the United States that's suffering right along with him. You know, getting ready to go into a holiday season right now, knowing that their son is sitting in a Moscow jail. And it's time that we, we, America, does as much as we can to get this young man home. So, Paula, Taylor, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And last week, you know, Paula, you guys went to Washington, D.C. when the House passed this resolution, 1115, to call for Trevor's immediate release. Did you get a chance to talk to a few of the congressmen? And, and what did they say to you? Um, well, because it was uh, kind of, um, there wasn't a lot of people on the Hill that week, uh, but we did get to speak to uh, Adam Kinzinger and they said they were going to speak on Trevor's behalf and that they knew the bill passed because it was kind of like what he said, like a no brainer. Why would anybody uh, object to bringing Trevor home from Russia? Uh, so the vote come through and it did pass and we were glad about that. And we're uh, waiting for the Senate to do their side. They have a resolution, I believe it's six six seven, and we're just we're just waiting. Um, they can do the resolutions, but we're still sitting here waiting for Trevor. So I know these things take time, but we just want our son back. Has anybody said anything to you from the State Department or from Congress or any, from anyone in the government? said anything to you about the fact that Trevor is being kind of used as a pawn or have they give you the indication that they, that the Russian government has asked for any quid pro quo? Has anybody said anything like that to you? Um, John, yeah. I, it's common knowledge that they are trying to bring some of their people back. Uh, but I don't know that the people they want back are, um, going to be allowed, allowed to leave the United States. I don't think that our government is willing to let them go. Has anybody said that somebody in Russia asked, let bingo bango go and we'll send your son home or no one's said that directly yet? They haven't said that directly yet. If you had a chance to say something, I mean, you know, President Trump is, you know, over the last four years extolled how close he is to Vladimir Putin and his love, basically, for Russia. Um, if you had a chance to say something to him, what would you say to him? And what would you ask him? Yes. Uh, and we have reached out via Twitter, but um, haven't gotten a response, which I was kind of surprised because Twitter is his favorite way to communicate. Uh, but absolutely, if, you know, he has a close friendship with Putin, we would ask that he would ask a favor of his dear friend and ask him to bring our son home uh, because he didn't do anything wrong. He's innocent of the charges against him. And we just want our son home. And I guess I should ask the same question because now we have President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris. What would you say to either of them? Um, same situation because, again, Trevor didn't do anything wrong. And I understand that when the administrations are changing in government, sometimes they want, there's a wait and see kind of game. But to us, it doesn't really matter. It's all the same. Trevor is in jail for something he didn't do. He doesn't need to be there. He needs to be home with his family in Texas. And I don't really, I don't think it matters who our president is. 
except that, you know, Trump has a supposedly close relationship with Putin. So if that could work in his benefit, then we ask that he do that. But it doesn't change anything. Trevor's innocent. He needs to be a home. How's the rest of the family responding, Taylor, to this? I mean, Trevor's clearly spent his birthday there and last year the holidays there. He's getting ready to do a second holiday season there. How's the rest of the family holding up in this? Cousins, aunts, uncles, people that know him. Everyone's really concerned. Um, my aunts and uncles and my cousins and I, we were all very close. We all spend the holidays together every year. We all, and the cousins all text each other and it's, it's just been really hard. And like my mom said, everyone wants to write him a letter. Everyone wants him to know that they're thinking about him, but it, he can't reply to everybody. And he just, it's, I think it's hard, but it's been, it's been a lot of support for Trevor, which is ultimately what we want. So it's just, it's really hard for everybody. Well, again, the GoFundMe page is www, and you don't have to say, but I'm saying www.gofundme.com forward slash free Trevor dash read. That's www.gofundme.com forward slash free dash Trevor dash read. So make sure if you can dig deep, it's holiday season, get to help get this family back together again. And as we know, we leave no service member behind. In this case, this isn't an act of war, but it's a politicized reason why he's being held. And I think if there's anything that our government can do to get him released, we beg that they do everything they can. Are you getting a lot of help and support from the State Department, or this is all now mostly private help that you're getting, Paula? Um, no, the State Department um, is helping us. Um, they reached out to us in March. Then um, I guess they designated Trevor as um, a political prisoner or uh, an unlawfully detained person. And um, the SPIHA, the Roger Carstens has been very helpful, and that office there, uh, Carolee Walker, they've been very helpful. Great. Well, is there anything else that I didn't, I didn't touch on that you'd like to be able to share with everybody to see if maybe we can help them understand a little bit more? Well, I just want to say that um, more about Trevor's uh, personality and that he's, he's just, he was a good kid, always a good kid when he was growing up. He was like very compliant. People used to say, you know, what is wrong with this kid? He's so obedient. He's so compliant. And as he got a little older, he still is that he sees things um, black and white. And he's always done the right thing for the most part. I mean, he's like, you know, teenager shenanigans or whatever, but he's a good person. He's a good kid. He's a good man. And even if he wasn't, though, that shouldn't matter because he's an American being unlawfully detained in Russia. And I think that our government should do something about that. That's the State Department's uh, purviews to not leave Americans over there. If they're, you know, being unlawfully detained, they're supposed to bring them back. And I understand that these things take time. And it's not all the United States government's issue because we have to deal with what Russia's government is going to do like Putin, what he's going to agree to or whatever he's going to do. But we just need our son home. We just need people to um, be more aware. So I thank you for doing this so it can uh, bring some awareness to the situation because also we feel that Trevor's been um, in a bad news cycle. Like when it first occurred, it was the impeachment. And then after the impeachment, it was COVID. 
And then after that, for a little while, it was Black Lives Matter. And now it's COVID again. And we we kind of joked amongst ourselves saying, Trevor just can't catch a break for the news cycle. <laughs> you know, it's just like getting out there. So we want this out there. So I appreciate you doing this. And again, like I said, he is a good man. And he's an American. He needs to be brought home. He's innocent. What he is needs to be brought home. 479 days is long enough, I think, uh, of a sentence for anything that's a social crime like this. And yeah, wait. Well, and here's the deal, Montel. I don't know. I don't remember this gentleman's name, so I don't want to even try to say it. But there is a famous Russian actor. I don't know if he's a soap opera actor or a um, like Broadway like actor. Broadway. But anyway, he had a uh, driving while intoxicated uh, accident and he killed the man. And he was prosecuted and has less time than Trevor. The man is actually dead. He hit with his car and he had a, a smaller sentence, a lesser sentence than Trevor did. And that's standard for Russia. Like Trevor's in jail right now with people who murdered people served an eight-year sentence, got out of jail, murdered somebody else, and is now serving their second eight-year sentence, which is still less time than Trevor got for something that was such a minor infraction. And again, right now, Trevor's being held in what they call a prison camp, but he's soon to be moved, if this appeal doesn't go through, he'll be moved to a location which is a much more serious kind of prison, correct? Well, uh, no, actually, he's being held in the regular uh, the Moscow City Jail, uh, one of the city jails. But there, what the harsher jail is the prison camp, and that's what they used to do, like hard labor camp, is what. That's what he will be moved to after the appeal is uh, done. Insane. I, I I can't wish you any any more than I hope the best, and I hope that something happens between now and, and this holiday and you get a really good Christmas present and Trevor gets home as soon as possible. We're going to try our best to, you know, keep shining a light on this and make people aware. And again, I'm going to say it one more time. I'm going to give out your GoFundMe page, which is www.gofundme.com forward slash free dash Trevor dash read. One more time, www.gofundme.com forward slash free dash Trevor dash read. Give as much as you can right now. This is, of course, a completely ridiculous financial burden on a family that just wants to have their son home. And as an American, we want our son home. So let's get him out as quickly as we can. And, you know, we'll do as much as we can here at, you know, Free Thinking with Montel. And I hope the free thinkers out there step up to the plate and do what you can to help get this young man home. Thank you both, Taylor, Paula, for being a part of Free Thinking with Montel today. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Okay, now. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining me on Free Thinking with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please send us your comments. Yeah.